These highly trained crews will be on hand for 30 days. Firefighters from Mexico arrive in B.C. to help tackle hundreds of active wildfires. Plus... This fire jumped the road down here and started burning this way again. More evacuations for South Okanagan homes and Baldy Mountain Resort as the Incomeep Creek wildfire rages near Asuyas. And... Definitely don't want your kids walking around at night with stuff like that going on. How an Alberta biker gang brawl at a Cranbrook gas station led to a hospital lockdown. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. There are more boots on the ground in BC's ongoing wildfire fight as 262 active fires burn. 11 started in the last couple of days alone. 100 firefighters from Mexico arrived in the province this afternoon as the number of people displaced by fires grew today. Amadagahi begins our coverage. Think of this as a response to a wildfire SOS sent by the province of BC. On Saturday, a plane carrying 100 firefighters from Mexico touched down at Abbotsford Airport. After a rapid COVID test, this crew will deploy to the interior. It was a real pleasure on behalf of the people of this province to be able to say, Buenas tardes, bomberos valientes, y bienvenidos a Canada. The Incomeep fire just north of Osoyoos is burning out of control and now covers 68 square kilometers. It has also forced people at 568 properties to evacuate, as firefighters describe the situation as aggressive and challenging. Meanwhile, the nearby Thomas Creek fire on the east side of Skaha Lake is holding steady at 6,900 hectares. The warmer days ahead and calm winds can also cause smoky skies to stick around, which is challenging for firefighting aircraft. In the weeks and months ahead, BC will continue its effort to gather resources, beginning with additional boots on the ground to join the already more than 3,300 firefighters on duty. We also have out-of-province crews and resources from Alberta, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Quebec, and Parks Canada. Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth admitted tougher days may be ahead in the province's already raging wildfire season, but did make this promise. We will see the other side of this fire season. But neither he nor anyone else can say exactly when and at what cost. Amadagahi, Global News. One of the most active fires impacting many people is the Incomeep wildfire burning near Asuyas. And that fire led to more evacuations today. Our Paul Johnson is in Oliver and is joining us now with more. So, Paul, where was the latest evacuation order? Yeah, Nithu, it's a, a shifting landscape of evacuation orders today as this fire moves around. 120 properties in the Mount Baldy Ski Resort area were given evacuation orders today. But on the flip side, a handful of properties, including some on land owned by the Asuyas Indian Band, saw their evacuation orders rescinded today. Nonetheless, the, this fire remains on the move and very dangerous. Oh, we're trying to uh, wet down the ground to keep a barrier so the fire can't, can't come into camp. Check out the system Wayne Gott has improvised to try and keep the fire away from the Nechichin campground. 
So we pump the water out of the creek into the tank and then we can put it out on, onto the ground. Because of the drought-like conditions, that creek is merely a trickle right now. But with no other water source available, he's doing what needs to be done. A shift in the wind last night brought the fire perilously close to the campground that he and a handful of others have been living in. There's a band here that's black. That wasn't burnt. That all burnt this morning. Just a short drive from there, up the road to the Mount Baldy Ski Resort, the Incomeep fire continues to chew through the forest and brushland. Some of this is the result of controlled burns, others not. It's hard to tell. But confirmation that this fire is still on the move and dangerous. This fire jumped the road down here and started burning this way. Coyote Hall is from the Asuyus Indian Band. They've had firefighters on the front lines here non-stop since it started Monday. Well, most of us go on adrenaline and keep going. My brother was like that. I had to go tell him to go lay down and get some rest. But for all those fighting wildfires in southern B.C., there's little promise of any rest on the horizon. There's still no meaningful help from the weather in the forecast. The state of the forest is as dry as most can remember. So one other thing uh, worth pointing out at this time, while we're seeing a lot of these headlines about resources and people coming in from out of province and even internationally, is the British Columbians that we're meeting who are stepping up to fight this fire. And as I've covered these fires from 100 Mile House down here to the South Okanagan, we're meeting a lot of loggers who are out there fighting this fire. They've often been taken off the job because logging has been stopped because of the fires, and they're out there operating machinery in dangerous conditions, um, doing some of the backfires uh, to try to stop the fires from spreading. It's dangerous work. They're stepping up. They deserve to be acknowledged as well. A big thank you to them as well. Interesting point there. Paul Johnson for us just south of Asuyas in Oliver tonight. Thanks, Paul. More now on some of the other wildfires of note. The Brenda Creek wildfire burning about 40 kilometers from West Kelowna has prompted more evacuation alerts. An alert has been issued for three properties as well as several provincial parks, recreational camping areas and crown land. Of particular concern are the flames around the transmission line that provides power to about 60,000 customers on the west side of Okanagan Lake. But the high-volume sprinkler system in place is holding the flames back. The fire is an estimated 662 hectares. Heavy smoke continues to ground helicopter crews from fighting two fires in the Upper Arrow Lake area. There was significant growth on the Octopus Creek fire overnight. That fire has already forced several residents out and has the community of Folkier on evacuation alert. It grew from 4,200 hectares to 7,000 hectares and is described as aggressive. Crews are working to establish guard lines around Folkier on the other side of the lake. The evacuation order for the Mashad Creek fire has been partially rescinded to an alert for 172 properties in the Edgewood area, primarily north of Highway 6 and Watshan areas. And the Garrison Lake fire is a new one in the regional district of Okanagan Similkameen. It is burning out of control 33 kilometers southwest of Princeton. It's mapped at 450 hectares and has 141 properties on evacuation alert. And some fire evacuees have been expressing frustration over not being able to find spaces to stay near their communities. Well, today, the public safety minister said they might have to travel farther to find temporary accommodations.
Uh, we've been working with uh, local governments to ensure that there is uh, a space uh, space in communities. So, for example, while there may not be space uh, in Kamloops, in that if you're in the Kamloops area, uh, there are uh, places uh, in Kamloops, or sorry, in uh, Kelowna uh, and Prince George, um, um, Williams Lake. Uh, and uh, Spence's Bridge, for example, uh, are some of the communities that have reception uh, centers. There are also reception centers as far away as Chilliwack. We are working with communities to ensure that there is a uh, there are enough space. There are currently right now about uh, just over 4,100 people uh, who have been evacuated, uh, and we are ensuring that they have places to stay. And that message likely not going over well with evacuees in Sycamus who've been waiting days to get back into their homes. They were told today they will have now to wait longer as the evacuation order for the area has been extended. Darian Matassafung was at the Two Mile Road wildfire today. We're following and heeding to the advice of BC Wildfire and they're saying minimum seven to ten days uh, the evacuation order will stay in place. The evacuation order for some Sycamus residents will be extended for at least another week, according to the district of Sycamus. The response we got from the crews that are up there right now, uh, that we're going to hold this evacuation order in place. Uh, I know that uh, you're probably not going to like to hear this, but uh, we got to make this call, and uh, that's the call we're making. We're, we're taking the advice of the professionals. There is little to no accommodation for evacuees in Sycamus, some evacuees said off camera, but declined an interview. Sycamus Mayor Terry Rise is asking Sycamus residents who may have extra space in their homes to help out. So at the Seniors Centre right now, they're taking all the information, anybody that wants to put their home up or whatever, that's the area in which you have to go and make that arrangement with them and whatnot. And then, and please, if you have that, give the community some help. The Two Mile Road wildfire did not grow overnight, according to the BC Wildfire Service. However, the Sycamus Fire Department says they are concerned with the north flank of the fire at Sycamus Creek. The terrain is very steep and very difficult, as you can imagine. If it were to cross, we now have a fire that's coming around the backside of Sycamus, and uh, that would not be good. We want it to try and stay on that creek side as much as possible, but there still is a threat that it can cross. 32 BC wildfire firefighters, along with 15 Sycamus firefighters, are battling the blaze. They say the fire is still very active and out of control. Darian Matasafung, Global News, Sycamus. And for the latest on the firefighting conditions over the next day, we'll turn to meteorologist Yvonne Schell. Yvonne. Nithu, we're still seeing a sort of a southwesterly flow for the winds, and that's pushing the smoke and still fanning it across the southern interior, especially for the southeastern corners, and it is pushing its way in towards eastern areas and in towards Alberta. Now, the concern, especially as we get in through tomorrow, though, the winds will pick up for a few spots in the Okanagan where we could see gusts anywhere between 20 and up to 40 kilometers per hour. We do have a big concern where we've got 262 active fires this is the latest from the BC Wildfire Service with 91 of them out of control. Now, 70% of them are lightning caused and we do have lots of instability that is going to push in. The area of concern and the threat tomorrow, especially with the hot and dry conditions, will be for the central interior. In a few areas, even the Thompson could get clipped by a very slight chance for a thunderstorm. We could see dry lightning across the region. Columbia, Shushwap also included within that. So I'll have more, but the area of concern tomorrow is going to shift and slightly further south across the region. And again, Thompson could be included within that and a few areas for the Columbia and Shoe Shop. We'll have more coming up more. Nithu. All right. Thanks so much for that, Yvonne. 
An amended evacuation order has been issued by the village of Lytton Emergency Operations Center following that devastating fire there. It means the order has been downgraded to an alert for Ponderosa Heights, Loring Way and the Lytton Fire Base. But evacuation orders do remain in place for all other areas within the village of Lytton. Conditions could change rapidly as there are still fires burning around the community. The Lytton Creek wildfire is estimated at 243 square kilometers in size. Two people died in the fire and hundreds have been displaced after the blaze swept through the community on June 30th and destroyed 90 percent of the town. Highway 1 has reopened between Lytton and Spence's Bridge and Highway 12 has reopened between Lytton and Lillooet. Both highways had been closed since June 30th due to wildfires and to support firefighting operations. The B.C. wildfires top of mind for climate change protesters in Vancouver this afternoon. This is what assembly Members of Extinction Rebellion rallied at Seaforth Peace Park south of Burrard Bridge and collected donations for the Lytton First Nation community affected by the fire that destroyed the village. Vancouver police say about 40 demonstrators then defied warnings from officers that they would be arrested and occupied the bridge. Twelve people were handcuffed. On Vancouver Island, environmental activists headed up to the Ferry Creek blockades today to test a recent Supreme Court decision. The group called Elders for Ancient Trees joined others demonstrating against Teal Jones's current logging operations in the Ferry Creek watershed on southern Vancouver Island. They wanted to test a recent Supreme Court ruling, which the demonstrators say reaffirmed the public's right to protest without being kept out of zones by police. The RCMP allowed a group of seniors to board a bus to visit the watershed, but there was still a confrontation between officers and some protesters who refused to obey the exclusion zone. The RCMP have made more than 470 arrests since enforcing a court injunction. Teal Jones Group holds a valid license to harvest timber in the disputed area where they're expecting to harvest about $10 million worth of timber. And still ahead, an Alberta biker gang brawl in B.C. What police are saying about the fight at a local gas station that led to a hospital lockdown in Cranbrook. And forced to flee the flames, what officials are saying about the early morning fire that tore through this Vancouver home. RCMP are appealing for witnesses and video after five people were stabbed during a brawl between two rival biker gangs in Cranbrook last night. The violence erupted in the East Kootenai City's downtown core and ended with the area hospital on lockdown. Kristen Robinson reports. An explosive situation in Cranbrook Friday night. East Kootenai Regional Hospital locked down after five people showed up with stab wounds, following what RCMP say was a brawl between rival biker gangs from Alberta. Just heard that there was a, like a, an incident at the Chevron, which is right beside the Days Inn, that, where the Hells Angels were staying, and I heard another bike 
gang come in. Rebels Motorcycle Club members gathered outside the hospital after the melee, which police say happened around 7 at a gas station along the city's downtown strip. Officers ended up separating the opposing outlaw gangs after encountering a full-on street battle. I mean, they kind of mind to themselves, I guess you could say, but definitely don't want your kids walking around at night with stuff like that going on. Sometimes they're quiet, sometimes they're not. Cranbrook is home to about 20,000 people. Locals say biker gangs visit every year and things are usually quiet. They usually don't have any problems, so this year they just seem to run into one, so... I guess they just handled it their way. No arrests have been made in the clash between the pair of -of out-of-province gangs, and RCMP say there's no indication it's linked to the ongoing Lower Mainland gang conflict. All of those injured, released. A Hells Angel later seen with a bandaged arm. Police escorted one group out of town and say their presence at the hospital prevented further violence. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A large fire ripped through a home in Vancouver's Renfrew-Collingwood neighborhood this morning. This is what is left of the house at Nootka Street and East 28th Avenue. After that fire broke out at about 7 a.m., large flames and smoke were seen shooting from the structure as crews called in a second alarm to gain control of the blaze. There's no word on what sparked the fire. It appears to have started in the back of the home and spread throughout. Two people were living upstairs and two were living downstairs in the rental property. All four got out safely. Yeah, it was tough for the crews to get in. Uh, They got up into the uh, attic space right away and uh, the ceiling tiles were falling down, which uh, made uh, made us go defensive. The Vancouver Aquarium says it's looking to reopen its facilities over the next few weeks. It shut down for more than a year because of the pandemic and financial constraints. There's no set timeline just yet for reopening, but like so many organizations, there is a lot of work they need to do in order to make that happen. The Aquarium also held a job fair to try to hire more staff. We're trying to get some of the front of house staff now. We need to get them in, get them trained. Um, Of course, we had to lay off about uh, 200 people last September. That was a permanent layoff, unfortunately, very, very talented people. Um, Some of those people are coming back, but of course, a lot of them went on to do different things. They couldn't uh, hang around hoping that the aquarium was going to reopen. Coming up, controversial encampment evictions. Toronto councillors call for an end to violence. The changes they want the mayor and police to make and... Mounting pressure to reopen the land border with the U.S. now rather than next month. Two Western premiers and the governors of three nearby states want the U.S.-Canada border to reopen now and not next month as planned. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney tweeted out a copy of the letter signed and sent to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and U.S. President Joe Biden on Friday. It says in part, we urge both countries to work together to reach an agreement that will allow for the movement of citizens, goods and tourists between our two nations beginning immediately. And we must end these unnecessary delays and restore normal movement across our shared border. The message is also endorsed by Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe and the governors of Northern Dakota, Montana and Idaho. Canada will not start letting fully vaccinated Americans into the country until August 9th, while the U.S. is holding off until August 21st. 
In Toronto, there is continuing fallout following a series of evictions earlier this week of people living in homeless encampments. Some city councillors are questioning the tactics used by police and are calling for the mayor to change his approach. Catherine Ward has more on the violent confrontation. The images from the clearing of homeless encampments carried out this week at Toronto's downtown Lamport Stadium Park are troubling. We as a city are never doing a good job when our police force is uh, using coercive violence on citizens of Toronto. Police say they were at the facility to support city staff and enforcement was their last resort. But some Toronto City Councillors say they will not let the issue be forgotten. In an open letter sent to the mayor Friday, they wrote, We demand an end to the violence and extreme show of force, adding the approach to encampments does not effectively resolve the challenge we face, as you are only moving people experiencing homelessness from the parks to laneways, under bridges or into another park. The mayor says the evictions were necessary, adding that the crowd that gathered in support of people living there was part of the problem. Last week, there were three clearings of encampments. Uh, two of them were done without incident. Why? Because there were no protesters there. But at a certain point in time, uh, after all the efforts we've made, 20,000 visits to uh, convince people to come indoors, that there is a time when those encampments have to be cleared. Early in the pandemic, many people did not want to enter Toronto's shelter system out of fear of catching COVID-19 setting up tents in parks throughout the city, adding to the complex and long-standing issue of homelessness in Toronto. We have uh, decades, in fact, of the provincial and federal government not working with the city to create affordable housing. We've begun to turn the corner on that, but uh, the roots of this are very much a system that doesn't create uh, good affordable housing for people. Outreach workers say they worry about how future evictions will be carried out, but will take their cue from those who live there. If the residents are asking for more public people to, to arrive and witness, we will do what we can to support. If the residents are asking for less people to witness, we will do that. But at the end of the day, we need to be centering the voices of those who are most vulnerable. And I think the city's approach so far has not done that. And we're seeing that it's not working. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. Back here in BC now, Interior Health is warning of a COVID-19 exposure at a downtown nightclub last weekend. Anyone who went to the Gotham nightclub last Sunday night is at risk. Authorities say they've tracked a cluster of cases to the venue. Contact tracing is underway. The club has a long list of COVID-19 protocols on its website, but Interior Health is warning that anyone who was at the club should monitor for symptoms. Thrill-seekers visiting Playland today could also take advantage of a pop-up vaccine clinic. So, Mom, this is a first job, right? This first job. Oh, okay. Parents and kids lined up from 11 to 5 with many children getting their first dose. The one-day immunization clinic next to Playland's main entrance on East Hastings Street was another attempt to meet people where they're at. Playland attendees or anyone in the neighborhood was able to drop in for a shot. First doses were prioritized for those 12 and older, but second doses were also given for those eligible. How was your shot? It hurt a tiny bit, but otherwise it's great. You're okay? Yes. And is that your first shot? Yes. I guess uh, today was my first day at being seven weeks uh, since my first dose. Um, but I hadn't gotten a text yet, so I thought I'd go to a pop-up clinic. 
Yeah, the uptake's been really good. We actually had a lineup in the morning of people waiting, not too long, but enough of a lineup to generate a little bit of excitement. So things are going really well. We're hoping to immunize 250 people today. In Health Matters Now, just as there's misinformation about COVID-19 and vaccinations on the internet, a new study has found many social media sites contain incorrect information about cancer treatments. Scientists from the Huntsman Cancer Center, based at the University of Utah, looked at 200 social media articles that related to breast, prostate, lung, and colorectal cancers. They found one-third of the articles contained misinformation, much of which could negatively influence patient outcomes. The researchers also expressed concern about how a patient could distinguish which articles are reliable and which are not. And coming up, a BC winery's campaign to help an endangered animal. Everyone in the province who's traveling this summer to just slow down, keep an eye out. How the Badgers for Badgers campaign and art auction aims to protect the animal next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. How this harbor seal pup was a surprise addition to the Vancouver Aquarium in just a moment. But first, there are only about 400 badgers left in BC. Their diminishing number is attributed in part to loss of habitat and being roadkill. Now, a winery in Kamloops wants to help halt their decline by launching a fundraising initiative called Badges for Badgers. Amandalina Letterio of CFJC News reports. For the month of July, Monty Creek Winery in Kamloops is selling pins and postcards to save badgers from getting hit by vehicles. We could be a part of the efforts to save badgers in BC. So we're really encouraging you know, guests and visitors and everyone in the province who's traveling this summer to just slow down, keep an eye out for these really low um, animals. They're quite short, low to the ground. So just to be mindful when we're traveling on highways. The winery is also auctioning off artwork painted by the BC Wildlife Park's badger. Her name is Bloom, and don't worry, she gets commission for her work, which will go toward her habitat. Bloom doesn't actually like to get her paws wet or dirty, and so when they did the paintings, they sprayed the paint onto the canvases, and they actually squished the canvases together, and then she like stepped on them that way. Monte Creek Winery sits on Highway 1 East between Pritchard and Lafarge, which is the deadliest stretch of highway for badgers in the province. The highways fragment their natural habitats and it causes issues for them um, when they're traveling between core habitat and different parts of their life cycle when they're moving so they can get hit on the road and uh, getting hit on the road is like one of the primary ways that they're dying at the moment. The money will help preserve the badger population and go toward the Ministry of Transportation's research on badgers and highways. Badgers have really large territories, in their, um, especially when they're in their mating season, which is July and August. So they travel really great distances and a lot of the times are having to cross highways. And so we just want people to be aware, slow down, and hopefully that can help with uh, the conservation and saving badgers. Amanda Lina Letario, CFJC News. 
What a great initiative. All right, let's bring back meteorologist Yvonne Schell now for a look at the forecast. And of course, with a lot of people taking advantage of the summer weather, there are more roads on those Kamloops, more cars, I should say, on those Kamloops roads. Absolutely. Please be careful on the roadways. Uh, in terms of the forecast, uh, we are still seeing sunshine. We're on day 39 across the south coast of Metro Vancouver and counting. Without in precipitation, I anticipate that we'll see that all the way in towards the end of the week and potentially next weekend as well. Here's a beautiful shot overlooking English Bay. Temperatures right now sitting at 24 degrees. We've had a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. Hot and dry, especially for the southern interior with many spots still climbing up to 36 degrees today. A high for areas near Trail and low 30s into the Thompson Okanagan across the central interior today with highs up to 18 degrees. A quick glance on the satellite. So we do still have that instability. Most of the shower activity and a bit of a break has been along the northern half of the province. But the area of concern for tomorrow will be for the central interior in a few spots just towards Towards the south of it could even see some instability. There is shock and dismay across the country tonight over an NHL draft pick decision. The Montreal Canadiens selected a junior hockey player who faces criminal charges in Sweden after distributing sexual photos of a woman without her consent. The controversial move, coming even after the defenseman asked not to be drafted, has some calling it a callous disregard for the victim. The Knights de London Defenseur Logan Mayu. Just days before the NHL draft, Logan Mayu took to Twitter to ask he not be drafted this year. In his statement, he wrote in part, the NHL draft should be one of the most exciting landmark moments in a player's career. And given the circumstances, I don't feel I have demonstrated strong enough maturity or character to earn that privilege in the 2021 draft. But despite those wishes, the Montreal Canadiens used their first pick to draft the 17-year-old, prompting an immediate statement from general manager Mark Bergevin. And I know he's been remorseful about the incident, which we uh, truly uh, don't agree with it uh, in, uh, in all sense of the word, but uh, he needs, uh, he's a young man uh, who made a serious mistake. Logan Mayu spoke to the media this morning. He once again apologized for his actions. He said he knows the woman involved will have to deal with this for the rest of her life. He did say, though, he's confident the Montreal Canadiens organization will support him through his journey. I'm just continuing my counseling and I don't have a plan set out uh, specifically, but I know that in the near future, I'm definitely going to be uh, doing some steps and taking some actions. That sentiment wasn't enough for many people who were quick to criticize, including Quebec's minister responsible for the status of women, Isabelle Charret. In a series of tweets, she expressed her surprise and disappointment at the Canadian's decision. The choice to draft Mayu goes against the direction of the positive change of culture that I wish to establish. No, I, I don't think he should be drafted. I just can't help but think about like the victim. In an email to The Athletic, the woman says she still hasn't forgiven Mayu for his actions. She says she doesn't even feel as though his apology was sincere. She said she didn't want to meet him face-to-face -face for the apology. She asked for a written statement. All she got was a text that was no longer than three lines. Elizabeth Ogalis, Global News, Montreal. And coming up in sports, we hear from the Canucks' newly acquired defenseman. I feel comfortable that I'm, I'm going to be able to, to help the Canucks out a lot. Ekman Larson on turning a new page on his career after the team's blockbuster trade.
the way you celebrate Pride this year. Join the Vancouver Pride Society as they take over the city with a full schedule of more than 60 in-person and digital events during Vancouver Pride Week. For more info, visit vancouverpride.ca or download their app. Enjoy the aerial excitement of the Abbotsford International Air Show with a drive-in twist at SkyDrive happening August 6th through 8th. Watch the Snowbirds and F-22 Raptor and more all take to the skies from the comfort of your own 400 square foot space alongside your vehicle. If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back for a look at sports and Canucks making headlines again with some big trades. Yeah, it was a pretty big one yesterday. They had the uh, had the floor amongst the uh, hockey uh, fans, at least for the time being in the morning. Thanks very much, Nithu. It remains to be seen if Oliver ekman Larson can regain the form from a few years ago when he was an elite defenseman in the NHL. Jim Benning is gambling big time here that the 30-year-old Swede can be a dominant force again, not only next year, but for the next six seasons, because that's how long his $7 million plus per season contract runs. Ekman Larson feels a change of scenery in Vancouver is just what he needs to rediscover his game. Um, I'm, I'm the first guy that uh, will admit that I haven't been, been good enough and... and uh, um, I'm always going to look myself in the mirror first and then blame it on anybody else. So, uh, but I'm super excited about the, the new opportunity here and, and the chance and the fresh, fresh start here with a great organization. And I'm working every single day to get a, be a better player. And, and it's, it's a game of details and, uh, and a fast game. So I think uh, all of that and uh, just to, to get back to, to being happy and feeling good about uh, myself and, and have the confidence. I know that I'm a good player. I know that I can play top minutes in this league. So uh, it's just a matter of uh, getting back to that. And I, I feel like uh, I've been working working out a lot the last couple of years to to get back to that. And I feel comfortable that I'm I'm going to be able to to help the Canucks out a lot. I think I'm still young and I still have a lot of hockey in me. I'm super excited to get a. Uh, another opportunity here with Vancouver and uh, like I said a super excited team and, and I mean I've been following them uh, a lot the last couple of years. All right, and this was the second day of the NHL draft. The Canucks had six picks, but mostly in the late rounds. They took big Belarusian winger Danila Klimovic in the second round. The rest of those guys, who knows if you will ever hear or see their names again. But the Canucks are due to find a diamond in the rough with one of these late drafts. Winger, check out this defense. That is a liner sinking away from him, but he goes flat out to make a spectacular catch. George starting to earn that $150 million six-year contract he signed in the winter. Then Marcus Semien, great at bat, 12th pitch he faces, crushes a three-run shot to left, 6-0 at that point, 7-3, Blue Jays lead in the seventh. And that is it for sports. All right, thanks so much, Barry. And coming up, we'll show you how Grouse Mountain's Grizzly Bears, Grinder and Kula, are making their 20th birthday extra special. Stay with us. There was a very special birthday celebration atop Grouse Mountain today. They're eating it together. 
just let them eat cake. Resident grizzly bears Grinder and Kula are turning 20 years old. To mark the occasion, Grouse Mountain is throwing them a two-day party and hosting a birthday fundraiser to raise awareness for the grizzly's wild cousins. The main event, an afternoon cake smash for the orphan bears who are considered ambassadors for grizzly conservation. We had to come up with a bear-friendly cake. There really is only one ingredient in there that's a little bit suspect, and that's the whipping cream. But otherwise, it's full of salmon, uh, and it's full of fruit, uh, particularly a lot of watermelon in there. Lots of apples, lots of blueberries. The uh, water is not, in fact, water. It's grape juice. And so it's a frozen salmon and berry and fruit cake. This is really a significant day because people have gotten to know these bears. These bears are iconic for the city of Vancouver and the Lower Mainland and all of British Columbia because millions of people literally have come up to see them. Grouse is offering free mountain admission for up to two children with every adult or senior admission ticket purchase online until tomorrow. A portion of the proceeds from this weekend's admission and food and beverage sales will support the Grizzly Bear Foundation's Orphaned Grizzly Bear Cub Rewilding Research or Project Rewild. Oh, salmon and fruit, interesting. <laughs> Never interrupt their dinner, believe no, me. No, absolutely not. A good idea. not. They no. seem to be enjoying it. <laughs> also enjoying the sunshine, which is here to stay, isn't it, Absolutely, especially on top of grouse and all areas across the south coast of Metro Vancouver. But it's going to be hot once again. We'll need that watermelon or fruit juice, whatever combination they have for the bears. <laughs> but for us, temperatures will be feeling into the low 30s and sunny and hot all the way in towards next week, too. All right, grab that sunscreen, have it handy. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you soon.